0: Hello and welcome to Camel Screen Guild Players from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors.
2: This is Loretta Young,
0: the Gulf Screen Guild Theatre. Presenting tonight, Liberty's a Lady. And here is your host, the director of the star's own theater, Roger Pryor.
3: Good evening, everyone. The Gulf Oil Companies and your neighborhood good Gulf dealer welcome you to as timely a story as we've ever presented in the Gulf Screen Guild Theater. The story is Liberty's a Lady, and it was written by Charles Taswell. Our star tonight is Loretta Young. You'll hear her in the unusual portrayal of not one, but six roles. In just a moment, Oscar Bradley's fine musical score will introduce Liberty's a Lady. But before we hear about liberty, I'd like to say a brief word about victory. One all-important lesson that every nation at war must learn is that victory begins at home. Victory begins, for instance, in America's industrial plants, in her oil fields and refineries, and with every man or woman who is helping supply the armed forces of the nation. And perhaps you've never considered before the essential part your good golf dealer has in this great task. The good golf dealer helps supply the trucks that move food and war materials, and the cars that carry workers to and from their jobs. And through his specialized knowledge, he also helps conserve these cars and trucks. And that has become doubly important now that so much of our industrial effort is missed aimed solely at producing war equipment. Thus, the Gulf oil companies are performing two important jobs, supplying both the defense needs and the families of the nation. And today, thanks to Gulf's research and foresight, and to the experience gained in time of peace, we can promise you that your car will always be able to get helpful attention and the highest quality products available at the sign of the Gulf orange disc. Ladies and gentlemen, Loretta Young in Liberty's a Lady. On late February days, the thick white fog comes rolling in through the narrows, clothing New York Harbor in a ghostly shroud. Familiar landmarks disappear one by one, That bright torch of liberty on Bedloe's Island, the great skyscrapers, the custom house, the aquarium, until even the nearest bench in Battery Park becomes only a vague, unreal shadow. (laughs) On nights like this, old sailors will tell you there are ghosts who walk the Manhattan shore. You may hear the voice of Henry Hudson. Or the deep laughter of Peter Minuet. (laughs) Or perhaps the rap of Governor Stuyvesant's wooden leg. Fantastic story, isn't it? Yes, and they tell even a stranger one. The curious legend of a beautiful and mysterious ghost lady who, on nights like this, suddenly appears on the shore out of a foggy nowhere. Of course, it's only a sailor's yarn. Mm. Ghost lady, indeed. Why, you and I would never believe that this woman coming down the path isn't real. She's as real as this fog. And just as real as that little girl curled up on that park bench. The little girl with the snuffly nose and the two eyes red from crying. Why, would a ghost lady pause, as this one does, to take a quick notice of such an unhappy fragment of
2: humanity? Hello there. Oh, What's the matter? Nothing. Nothing? Oh, I'd never believe that. Not even if you said it and crossed your heart and hoped to die.
1: I wish I could die. Right now.
2: Oh. Then it's terribly serious. Come now. I'm awfully good at keeping secrets. What is it?
1: I'm a girl. Yes? That's it. I'm a girl.
2: Oh. Oh, I see.
1: And I hate being a girl. Why? Girls never do anything.
2: They don't?
1: Anything big, I mean. Boys can be soldiers or sailors and fight and be heroes and get medals and everything wonderful.
2: (laughs) You know, it sounds very much to me as though you've been listening to some little boy. Why, girls are every bit as wonderful as boys. They are? Certainly. And they've done just as much to make this a great country. Now, look. The very next time some little boy starts talking big, you say, pardon me for pointing, but a certain man named Columbus would have looked pretty silly if it hadn't been for a certain lady named Isabella. And then, if you really want to put him in his place, ask him what would have happened to John Smith's head if it hadn't been for an original American girl named Pocahontas.
1: I never thought of that.
2: No, of course you didn't. Girls have sat back and let the boys take all the applause and attention. Because we like them. And it makes them happy. Listen,
1: what's that?
2: Music. Where is it? It's coming out of the fog. (laughs)
1: Learn.
4: claim this land in the name of the Queen. I claim this for Spain. And I for France. This for England. For the Netherlands.
1: And what were those voices?
2: They're coming out of the fog too. It's the same old fog that's been rolling up and down this coast since time began. From the Florida Straits to the Bay of Fundy. Since the first explorers since the first settlements. Really? Yes. You see, child, no word is ever really lost. The fog holds and keeps whatever it touches.
1: But I didn't hear any women's voices. Oh,
2: but you will if you listen. I can always hear their voices very plainly on nights like this. Listen. Hannah Dustin, Priscilla Alden, Sister Madeline, Virginia Dare. Virginia, that's my name. Really, dear? Well, that Virginia was the first white child born in America. So you see, the boys didn't get ahead of us there, did they? Are there any more? Oh, there are lots more. Why, girls have been pioneers and teachers and soldiers and great humanitarians. Listen, child. Listen very carefully and hear how their voices were heard through the years. Speaking for tolerance, for freedom, for mercy, for justice, for America. Anne Hutchinson!
4: Anne Hutchinson! Anne Hutchinson! Anne Hutchinson, Hutchinson, will you take the stand, please? (laughs) Quiet! This court will tolerate no disturbance. Now, Mistress Hutchinson, can you defend this blasphemy you've been teaching in Boston?
2: What I have taught needs no defense, Your Honor. There is no blasphemy in the covenant of grace. The covenant of the devil!
4: To me it has the swell which
2: I, I am! The covenant
4: of grace. Uh, what does that mean, Mistress Hutchinson?
2: It means that holiness is a spiritual state and not a matter of outward appearance. I have told the people of Boston they might go about in their plain clothing, acting soberly and decently, avoiding all semblance of vanity and luxury. But that was no evidence of their Christianity. Indeed. Christianity is founded on one's inner life. If you have the grace of God in your souls, you cannot displease him. A woman's possession prevents the spiritual (laughs) of
4: Silence! (laughs) Silence! Mistress Hutchinson, are those your words or were they whispered in your ear by the devil?
2: They were given to me in a revelation from God. 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 Silence!
4: Silence! Mistress. Mistress Hutchinson, I find you guilty of traducing the Holy Word. I hereby expel you from the church for having told a manifest lie. And I sentence you to perpetual banishment from this colony.
2: Your Honor! Honor, This colony was founded by those who longed for freedom of worship. Where is that freedom now? Tolerance has been killed by bigotry. Silence,
4: Silence, Mistress Hutchinson. I'll have you whipped and driven from the town.
2: Your Honor, there is no evil in me.
4: No evil? Is there no evil in a woman who believes herself wise enough to interpret the scriptures for men of great intelligence? Evil. Anne Hutchinson, you are the personification of evil when you say that God revealed himself to you. But well, you know as well as I do that God speaks only to men. 1776. Congress, July Fourth, the unanimous declaration of the thirteen United States of America. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another. Molly! Molly!
1: Molly! Molly! Yes, Marvin.
0: Quick! Hurry! Drop down behind the wall. Here,
2: here, take the water bucket. And be careful now, don't spill it, or I'll have to run all the way back that spring for more.
0: Tell me, have you gone clean out of your head, <gasps> running across the field with those British, filling the air with lead like a swarm of bees?
2: Oh, pooh! those redcoats can't shoot. Well, can't they now? No. And besides, they're awful shy. One poor fellow was hiding down by the timber lot, and when I lifted my petticoats to cross the fence, he shut his eyes and dropped his musket. Ah, <laughs> the
0: Silly. I swear I don't know why I
4: love you. You're a shameless wench with no respect for the dignity of the tactics of
2: war. No, no, not at all. What? I, I
3: suppose General Washington had seen you.
2: The general has eyes in his head. He'd say that Molly Pitcher displayed the trimmest pair of angles in the colonies at the Battle of Monmouth.
3: You're a brazen hussy, vain, empty-headed, who'll end up on the ducking stool or the stocks.
2: Nah, you're behind the times, Martin. Tell me, how goes the fighting?
3: The British have retreated to reform ranks. General Washington's certain they'll attack again.
0: I'd better look to my powder and... Ah! Martin!
4: Martin!
3: See, you were wrong, Molly. Martin.
1: Some British can shoot. Martin. Oh, Martin, I... Don't cry. I don't want to close my eyes. I remember you crying.
2: I'm not crying, Martin, I...
1: Battles can't be won with tears. Oh. And we've got to win, Molly.
2: Yes, Martin.
1: When the attack comes, they mustn't take this gun.
2: They won't take it. I promise you they won't take it. That's They're... Martin.
1: Martin. <laughs>
4: Is that her? Yep, that's Marl picture herself. What was it she done at Monmouth? Took over the gun when her husband was killed for the redcoats. Congress made her a sergeant. That just goes to show you what kind of empty heads we got in Congress. Hero shucks. Nobody know how and nowhere ever he'd tell of a woman hero. 1836. article which I feel should be written down in the Congressional record of 1837. <clears throat> Women's place in society. Where, oh where, I may be asked, where is the true sphere of woman? My answer is home. Home, the highest, holiest place in which human agency can act. There was much wisdom in the advice given by an old mother to a younger one. Stimulate the sensibilities of your boys and blunt those of your girls. I would not have woman hide herself. herself. Mary
1: Lyon. Mary Lyon. Mary Lyon.
2: Mary Lyon. Yes? The gentlemen will see you now. Thank you.
1: Oh, come in, Miss Lyon. How do you do, Here, uh,
4: <laughs> do
2: take this chair by the fire, Miss Lyon. Oh, yes, yes,
4: do. It's cold out. It's, it's cold for November. I'll wager the year 1837 will go down in history. It's gentlemen, the gentlemen, day. please.
2: I didn't ask for this appointment to discuss the bad weather. Shall we come to the point? What is your decision?
4: <clears throat> yes. Well, Miss Lyon... <clears throat> It's quite impossible. Yes, Yes. girls have no use for a college education. Our colleges ought to prepare young men for careers. Yes, Yes. and girls don't have careers.
2: But don't you think they might have careers if they were given the opportunity?
4: Miss
3: Lyon.
2: Oh, yes, I know, I know. It's an indelicacy for women to aspire to an equality of intellect with men. You would stick her darning needles through her heart, wrap her in her quilting, and bury her quietly among the pots and the pans of the kitchen. Oh, no, really, Miss In the Lyon. Orient, I believe they have a much easier way of dealing with girls. They simply throw the superfluous ones in the river to drown. Oh.
4: Miss Lyon, may I say that your astounding behavior merely proves our point? Women have no place in our colleges. Yes.
2: And yes. let me say I think you're perfectly right. What? Knowing your attitude, I will be afraid of any learning one of my sex received in one of your institutions. Therefore, gentlemen... I propose to build a college exclusively for women. You're no, not you're ex- serious. Oh, I'm entirely serious. Since I last saw you, I have received promises of assistance. And if you gentlemen will make the journey to South Hadley next week, you will see the beginning of Mount Holyoke Seminary. Oh,
4: I, 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 I don't believe it. Who would
2: finance a wild scheme like that? Sheer nonsense. Perhaps the Lord himself has remembered our low estate and felt sorry for us. Good day, gentlemen.
4: College for women—the craziest idea I ever heard. Why should a girl want to be educated? Gentlemen, believe me, no lady will ever set foot in Mount Holyoke Seminary.
1: 1863.
4: Now we are engaged in a great civil war. Testing whether that nation
3: or any nation, so conceived and so dedicated, can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield, at that Clara Barton. Clara Barton? Clara Barton? Clara Barton.
2: Yes, Lieutenant.
3: That soldier in the cotton corner. He's hardly more than a boy. Nothing can be done for him, but if you'd speak to him... As yes, partner.
2: Lieutenant. I'll talk to him.
4: Our Father, art in heaven, how be.
2: Oh, God, my head. Stop the pain in my head. Shh, quiet. Everything's going to be all right very soon, soldier.
0: What? Who... Who are you?
2: Oh, Someone you know.
0: You're,
4: you're Josie. That's who you are.
2: You're, you're Josie. Yes, I'm Josie. I,
4: I kissed you, didn't I? I kissed you that night down by the gate. Remember Josie?
2: Yes, that's right.
4: And, and there was a mockingbird singing up in the oak tree. Remember Josie?
2: Yes, I remember. And he's still there. He sings every night. Oh, I'm glad. I was afraid he'd gone away. My head. It's hot. It's on fire. Here, here. I'll brush away the pain so you can go to sleep. There. Oh. Oh,
4: your hand... So cool. Your hand is. No pain at all. No pain. No pain. No pain
2: at all. Oh God, please take care of him. Along with all the others. This boy. Yes, Lieutenant.
3: There's a new lot just being brought in. I don't know what we're going to do with them or where we're going to put them.
2: Neither do I, Lieutenant. But things like this must never happen again. Something must be done to care for the wounded and the sick at time of war. Or pestilence or fire or famine or flood. We can't stop these casualties, but we can lessen the suffering and the pain they cause.
3: We could if we had bandages and medicines and proper medical help.
2: And we will have them. There's a new organization in Geneva. They call the Red Cross. And it was formed to give volunteer aid wherever it is needed. Lieutenant, I'm going to organize an American Red Cross if I have to devote the rest of my life to bringing it about.
4: 1903. Gentlemen of Congress, this country ain't going to the dogs. It's going to the ladies. Clara Barton's running the Red Cross Society. Dr. Mary Walker's sailing around in men's breeches by an act of this Congress. Susan Anthony has defied the Constitution and cast her vote just like a man. Yes, and out in Chicago is a woman named Jane Adams with some kind of devilment she calls social service. And down in Kansas is a lady hatchet man who goes around disturbing the peace by busting up saloons. Gentlemen, it's high time the us warmen. Order!
3: Order! Order, please. What is the meaning of this disturbance? You, madam, you and the button, who are you?
2: My dear Mr. Speaker, the Honorable Representative just referred to me as the Lady Hatchet Man from Kansas. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Carrie Nation,
4: and I'm here to tell you that John Barnicorn will be the ruination of this country. I
1: promise you I'll never get up the-
4: Women in business? Preposterous. Heavy Green. Well, sure, but don't you see she... Women in sports? Ridiculous. Helen Wills.
3: Yeah, I know. There are exceptions. But...
4: Women in airplanes?
2: Impossible. Amelia Earhart Putnam.
4: Yeah, sure, there's her, but what I see... Women in Congress? Fantastic.
2: Senator Hattie Carroway.
4: Oh, yes, that's right, but don't you see? A woman in the White House? Impossible. Impossible. Hmm. Well, I reckon you never can tell, can you?
2: <laughs> no, Mr... You never can tell. Listen, what's happened?
1: The music's faded away.
2: The fog's lifting. Moving on down the coast to wrap up some more American history. Now tell me, dear. Are you still sorry you're a girl?
1: Oh, no. I'm glad I'm a girl. My girls are wonderful, aren't they?
2: Yes. And you've only heard of the most famous ones. Why, there are so many more. The thousands on thousands whose names are unrecorded. American women, unsung, unhonored. Who were their men pushed back the wilderness? Beyond the Allegheny. Beyond the wide, muddy waters of the Mississippi. Beyond the Rockies to the setting sun. Cooking over campfires of buffalo chips on the Santa Fe Trail. Knowing the desert heat and the upland cold. The driving rains and the blinding snows. bearing their children in Conestoga wagons that rolled over the dusty trails. Singing their babies to sleep in Comstock. Silver City and Hel Dorado, drowning out the war cries of the Sioux Indian with their lullabies and fighting shoulder to shoulder with their men against the savage Apache, carrying on alone when the guns of Gettysburg were silent, knowing the agony and the pain of waiting for husbands and sons to come marching home from San Juan Hill, putting gold stars in their windows and locking up tears in their hearts after the Battle of Argon. And today, still hoping the casualty lists were wrong and knowing the lists were so efficiently and so inevitably right, after Guam and Wake and Pearl Harbor and Midway and Manila Greater love hath no man who lays down his life for his friend. Well, no greater love hath woman who gives up the one she loves for her country.
1: You know so much about women. Who are you?
2: I. Oh, I've been standing out there on Bedloe's Island for a long, long time. Another American woman who carries the torch for civilization. I was once a dream that was shared by a valiant few. A dream that 130 million people have made into a glorious reality. A reality that will always be invincible. I, child, am liberty. <laughs>
3: Thanks to Loretta Young for a performance that will always remain a highlight of the Gulf hitters series. Miss Young will be back with us in just a moment, ladies and gentlemen. Meanwhile, I know you'd like to hear just how you can get more miles and a
0: longer life for your automobile. You know, friends, on the chassis of an average car, there are more than three dozen vital wearing points that should be checked every thousand miles by a trained lubrication man to stop destructive friction before it starts. Yet, as much as you're interested in saving your car, you can't be expected to know about all of them. That's why so many motorists these days rely on the neighborhood good Gulf dealer. Because the Gulf Flex registered lubrication specialist knows just how and where your car should be lubricated. And in addition, he has just the right protective lubricants for the job. For instance, there's one that, unlike ordinary grease, won't injure or soften the rubber parts of your car. Then there's another grease specially designed to make your car steer easier and to prevent dangerous wear in the steering mechanism. In all, there are six special Gulf Flex lubricants that have been tested and have outperformed the pick of the field in the laboratory and on the road. These six lubricants are available only at your good Gulf dealers. And by the way, while you're having your next 1,000-mile checkup, ask your Gulf dealer about his additional Gulf Flex services. He can save your car and save your repair bills, too, by properly packing front wheel bearings, by lubricating your transmission and differential, and by several other Gulf Flex services. Just remember, to save your car, it's a good idea to let the Gulfman Gulf Flex your car.
3: But I really can't tell you how splendid was the performance you gave in Charles Taswell's Liberty a Lady, or should I say your six performances?
2: Thank you, Roger, and I enjoyed playing all of them. Uh, before saying good night, I'd like to tell you it was a privilege to be a guest on the Gulf, on the Gulf Screen Guild Theatre once again, because in return for our performances here, Gulf contributes so generously to the Motion Picture Relief Fund. Thanks again to Gulf, to Oscar Bradley. The fine radio cast into you, Roger.
3: Thank you, Loretta. Good night. Good night. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, Love is News. Yep, that's the name of the sparkling 20th Century Fox comedy, which is our offering on the Gulf Screen Guild Theater next Sunday. Starred in Love is News, we'll have a star combination that can't be beaten. Kate Kaiser, Betty Grable, and Jimmy Gleason. So don't miss it, friends. Or it'll be one of the radio hits of the season. Until then, this is Roger Pryor speaking for your neighborhood good golf dealer and saying, good night, everyone.
0: Here's a little item that we waste newspapers in Berlin and Tokyo with coffee. Every day, more and more American companies are making it easier for their employees to buy United States defense bonds through the voluntary payroll deduction plan. Among the first, we are proud to say, were the golf companies who rushed a truck through to Washington especially to get the necessary forms and papers as quickly as possible. If your company has a voluntary payroll deduction plan, be sure to take advantage of it. Then you can contribute regularly to an American victory by buying defense bonds and stamps. Don't forget your date to the Gulf's Screen Gill Theater next Sunday at this time when you'll hear Kay Kaiser, Betty Grable, and James Gleason in Love is New. Heretta Young can now be seen in the Columbia picture, Bedtime Story. Larry Chatterton speaking. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.